This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, January 6th, 2021 will be a day that will long be remembered in the United States. It was the day that the Capitol, the seat of democracy in Washington, was attacked by a mob. There was incitement, it is alleged, by the President of the United States, Donald Trump. He needed to do this on January 6th because his Vice President, Mike Pence was the person as vice president there to certify the results of the election, which Donald Trump lost. The Electoral College votes favored Joe Biden, and it was Mike Pence's duty as vice president to preside over the events. In the end, he had to run for his life because the mob were shouting, Pence must be hanged. Donald Trump had made a rabble-rousing speech before the event and had urged the mob, which is the only way you can describe it, that if they wanted to have a country, they had to take power and they had to fight. It's a, a day of infamy for the United States in many people's opinion, but not everybody. The House of Representatives now, which has the Democratic majority, has been investigating what happened on January the 6th, who was responsible and what exactly took place. And so last night, after 12 months, the House of Representatives and the Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, they had hearings which were televised. And the testimony was live, some of it, some of it recorded. And it is quite remarkable, a remarkable moment in American history. And we're joined now from Washington by Niall Stanich to discuss this. Niall, of course, is associate editor of The Hill, respected Washington newspaper for not being partisan, as so many news outlets in the United States are now. Niall is also the associate editor, as well as being the White House correspondent. Niall, I taped and watched this film or this moment. It was quite extraordinary. The testimony, among the testimony, we saw Liz Cheney, of course, the former Republican and somebody who's staunchly defended what she sees as the Constitution and been very critical of Donald Trump. She is the daughter of Dick Cheney, former vice president in George W. Bush's administration. Also, there was testimony from Ivanka Trump, the president's daughter, and the former 
Attorney General Bill Barr. And it was shown, I understand, by most networks, all networks, with the exception of Fox News. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Fox News was the one not to carry it live. It wasn't just the cable news networks, by which we normally mean CNN and MSNBC, who, who um, covered it live. So too did the major networks, in other words, ABC and NBC and CBS, interrupting their normal um, programming to do so. So it was a very big moment. I, I, we don't have the viewing figures yet, but certainly a big um, moment and the biggest, clearly, since this investigation or this committee was set up, as you say, about a year ago. Yes, and in CNN's preview of their coverage, there was a rare treat for historians of journalism. Bernstein and Woodward were together. Mm. Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward, of course, were the journalists who broke the Watergate story. They are legends, rarely spotted together. And both of them, I must say, Niall, of course outraged and estranged from Trump and all that he stands for, both of them. Yet there was a feeling that these men, with their journalistic integrity and their concerns, were figures from the past mm. rather than the present. I don't know if you, maybe you're too young to, to get that whiff, but this wasn't the journalism of today, of Tucker Carlson and other more aggressive people left and right. Sure. I mean, I think that's a fair point. And I also think part of that is because the media environment generally is so different. When Woodward and Bernstein were breaking the Watergate story, and then that led to the Watergate hearings, and then the Watergate hearings ultimately culminated in then President Richard Nixon's resignation. Uh, yes. th that was an entirely different world. And, and at that point, you had you did have the three broadcast networks that I mentioned. You had Woodward and Bernstein with the Washington Post, which was one of maybe two or three newspapers that had real national aspirations in this country. And that was pretty much it, you know, as far as the media yes. was concerned. Now you have a completely different situation, not only because of the presence of Fox News, but because in a more general sense, you have an enormous amount of media that caters to people's existing uh, predispositions. And of course, you have social yes. media with its capacity to just reinforce people's biases. So what the American public were offered last night, I'm not sure how long it lasted, but it was a live hearing and one of the most powerful witnesses was Liz Cheney, who is a Republican. In fact, she would be regarded as on the right of the Republican Party. Her father, Dick Cheney, was vice president to George W. Bush and an ardent warrior, <laughs> particularly when it came to the invasion of Iraq. Now, she gave testimony and she has become a leading critic of Donald Trump and the, the way he has behaved. And for that, she has almost certainly lost her place or will lose her seat in the House in the November midterm election. She's certainly in great peril whenever her primary rules around in August yes. um, and she has been challenged by a much more Trumpian figure who of course has the backing of the former president. Um, to be clear, Liz Cheney is on this committee that is investigating. She's one of yes. only two Republicans who are on it 
Um, the other one, also a, a Trump critic, a man by the name of Adam Kinzinger from Illinois. But in uh, the, the fairly lengthy remarks that Liz Cheney delivered, she laid out a very searing indictment of Donald Trump and was really broadening that indictment, I think, to the Republican Party uh, writ large. She is more or less an outcast in today's Republican Party. She did previously have a leadership position from which she was ousted uh, after she uh, became so critical of Trump, especially after the uh, insurrection. And at one point, she referred to her other colleagues in the Republican Party who are uh, acquiescent with Mr. Trump. And she said, there will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. Uh, one one yes. of the most powerful moments in, as I say, fairly lengthy remarks from Liz Cheney. Yes, indeed. And she has shown remarkable and persistent courage. The question of our, our friend who we've talked about before, the House Minority Leader, that is the leader of the Republicans in the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, mm. he pulled his nominees from the House panel that is investigating January the 6th when Nancy Pelosi rejected them. Mm. Was she wise to reject them, even though I know one of them, Jim Jordan, mm. who's a Republican from Ohio, is a fairly radical piece of mm. work? It, that's an interesting question as to whether she made the right decision or not. I think last night it looked as if she had, in fact, made the right decision. And the reason I say that is um, McCarthy initially nominated five Republicans and two of them, Jordan and another congressman by the name of Jim Banks, are uh, not only very ardent supporters of the former president, but had voted on the night of the insurrection not to certify some of the election results. Now, Pelosi took the view that you can't have people who have, by their votes, effectively backed the same aims as the insurrectionists on a panel investigating the insurrection. Um, At the time, there was some question about, does that make it just seem blatantly partisan? Even though you have Cheney and Kinzinger, they're, they're very much, as I say, sort of outcasts from the mainstream Republican Party. What it meant last night, though, was that for the committee as a whole, there weren't kind of uh, pro-Trump theatrics of the kind that we sometimes see in uh, committee hearings. And so I think it permitted the panel to provide a much more uh, cogent statement of its case. Now, of course, there was, uh, as they call it here, counter-programming being uh, provided. Jordan I was giving media interviews. He had appeared at a press conference earlier in the, uh, on Wednesday, actually. Um, but, a, you know, the absence of those sort of pro-Trump voices in the committee's Thursday televised hearings probably made that hearing a more... Uh, impactful uh, moment, I think. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Now, another fact that is extraordinary. Kevin McCarthy is the minority leader in the House of Representatives. And after November elections, I think you, most observers, believe he will be the speaker because the Republicans will have control of the House of Representatives. Mm. And he was asked yesterday pressed by a reporter, whether he accepted that President Joe Biden was the legitimate victor of the 2020 election. And he didn't give a straightforward answer. No, he kept ducking and diving. He did say Joe Biden is the president, but he wouldn't say whether he regarded Biden's victory as legitimate, which you know, to be triple clear, of course it was. And and actually, yes. the Thursday night hearing was good at, at exposing how even some people in Trump's circle behind the scenes realized that Biden had legitimately won. But that comment or those comments by Kevin McCarthy that were so evasive on Thursday, I think speak to two things. One is McCarthy's own desire to comport himself as closely as possible with grassroots Republican voters. And secondly, the um, widespread opinion among Republican voters that Biden was not the legitimate winner. You and I have spoken about this before. When opinion yes. polls are put in the field on this question, the proportion of Republican voters who believe in some shape or form that the 2020 election was stolen is shockingly high. It's generally it's 70 it is generally between 70 and 80 percent. Exactly. Yeah. And that really raises all kinds mm. of questions, which we have we've talked about on this 
podcast before. Let me ask you about Ivanka Trump's testimony and also what she had to say about the former Attorney General, Bill Barr. Mm. Barr was Trump's Attorney General and pretty compliant with many of Trump's, but he had a a red line, as it were, which will emerge, I'm sure you'll tell us about Mm. it, but Ivanka Trump gave very interesting testimony. She did. These were part of the short video clip elements in uh, the Thursday hearing, but they were no less the powerful, uh, no less powerful for that. In fact, I think the point that you raised was one of the most striking. There was an interview played by Bill Barr with uh, people investigating the insurrection. And Barr was talking about still being Attorney General after the election, but before the insurrection, when Trump and others were seeking to claim that the election was stolen. Um, I don't think we particularly mind profanity on this podcast, Eamon. No, 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 no. Barr Barr described those claims as bullshit. He thought they were bullshit and said so and pushed back strongly against them. Now, that in itself is fairly striking. What was even more striking was a separate clip uh, played um, from Ivanka Trump, from her testimony, and she uh, pointed out that she respected Bill Barr and implied, at, at least when it came to Barr's general disbelief in fraud or disbelief that there had been fraud in the election, Ivanka Trump essentially said that she accepted that view, that that belief, which of course together raises the issue of whether Trump supporters who have been battling all this time against the election are really uh, being used as kind of dupes or marks by people who know yes. that the election was not in fact stolen. Yes, and we should say that for anyone who doesn't know, Ivanka is Donald Trump's daughter and her husband, Jared Kushner, was a very significant player in the Trump White House. And he too has appeared throughout the January 6th controversy and this stolen election controversy. He's distancing himself and has distanced himself from much of that, all of it virtually, hasn't he? Yes. There was a New York Times story earlier this week talking about the attempts by both Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump to generally um, uh, distance themselves from everything that went on there. Um, they left uh, Washington for Miami uh, very soon after uh, President Trump um, was uh, well was beaten and then left office ultimately. Um, but yes, Kushner popped up in a short clip uh, last night when he was talking just about uh, the, the idea that people who were threatening to resign, including the White House. Council Pat Cipollone were whining in, in Jared Kushner's view. I think in that instance, he was trying to sort of minimize how serious uh, that was. But they're certainly trying to put a bit of distance between themselves and the particularly the events of January the 6th. Did the question of the National Guard arise last night? I've no reason for, to believe it did, but mm. there is some intel that intelligence that the Proud Boys were on, and, and this was referenced, I know, last night, the Proud Boys were on alert because of a remark Trump made during the debates, which I'm sure you'll remind us of. Mm. The National Guard were never called, were they, upon 
on the day that the capital was really invaded. There's certainly a a lot of ongoing controversy about the uh, law enforcement response generally. Um, When the riot or insurrection first broke out, the Capitol Police, which is a comparatively small branch of the police force, obviously charged purely with uh, protecting the Capitol buildings and its inhabitants, were obviously vastly outnumbered and overpowered by rioters. And there are all sorts of questions around uh, why more reinforcements from other branches of law enforcement did not uh, get there sooner. And and we haven't got to the bottom of that and it wasn't really addressed um, last night. To your point about the... Sorry, were you going to say something there, Raymond? Well, uh, no, no, just finish. I, well, I am going to ask you about testimony last night from the Capitol Police officer, Caroline Edwards. Her testimony is pretty harrowing. Very harrowing, yes. That was, I would say, one of the mo- most um, emotional moments of the hearing. Caroline Edwards suffered a traumatic brain injury during the riot. She also witnessed a, a colleague uh, apparently get sprayed with some form of uh, chemical spray by the rioters, and that colleague, a police officer by the name of Brian Sicknick, uh, yes. died the next day having suffered two strokes. Now, that in itself is its own mini controversy. Yeah. His death was ruled by uh, as having occurred due to natural causes, but it was very harrowing testimony from uh, from the officer that you mentioned. And she was talking, for example, at the end, uh, you know, looking over this scene of what had happened, and she said, and I'm quoting here, "What I saw was just a war scene." I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. It was carnage. So just a very dramatic moment there. Yes, and there is, just to go back to that remark of Trump's during the debate about the Proud Boys, it was a debate with Joe Biden, and we, we did actually remark upon it when we covered the debate the next day. Hmm. And the question was put by the moderator, Chris Wallace, a very, very respected and brave journalist who was working for Fox News at the time. Mm. He since had to give that up. He asked whether Donald Trump was willing to condemn tonight, and quoting, are you willing to condemn tonight white supremacists and militia groups? To which Trump replied, give me a name. Biden interjected, proud boys. And then Trump responded, proud boys, stand back and stand by. Mm. And that comment was very controversial even at the time. And of course, the proud boys were recruited on the back of that remark and were central to what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. They they were, and like you, I remember us talking about that uh, stand back and stand by remark when it happened because it was so stark and so short of really any kind of um, condemnation. It was a very ominous remark even at the time. Yes. What is new as of this hearing is testimony from members of the Proud Boys that that remark in and of itself caused a spike in recruitment. One of them saying that the Proud Boys membership tripled after Trump 
uh, made that comment. Another member of the Proud Boys, uh, rather, uh, well, bleakly, I thought, but dark humour, I suppose, was lamenting that somebody else had beat him to the punch in producing T-shirts with that stand back and stand yes. by uh, comment or slogan on them. But, but I think the point that the committee was trying to get at in showing this testimony from those Proud Boys members was was the linkage between Trump's rhetoric and actual violence. Now, some people would say that link is already established, but it was underscored by the moments that we're referring to. Now, the, the whole question of what took place in the United States last night and I assume there will be more of the same. Will there be more? Yeah, there's a num- number of hearings. There's to be maybe a total of six this month and then a final one in September is the plan at the moment. Of course, we'll need to see figures to see how many people watched. But there is a feeling, is or is there a feeling, this is a Nancy Pelosi operation. She is the Democratic Speaker of the House of Representatives. She's been around forever. She is a liberal, which is really an insult in American politics for for many, many people. Is there an element here that could backfire on Democrats and make this seem almost navel-gazing or self-justification for something that so many Americans believe is now history? I think the answer is yes, but just to put the yes in context, I think this is really about separating out the substantive work of the committee from its potential political or electoral effects. Yes. Substantively, there is clearly stuff there. The first of those hearings demonstrated that. I imagine the subsequent hearings will demonstrate that. But here is the problem. The American public, when you look at opinion polls, is split basically half and half as to whether that committee is doing fair and good work or whether it is a partisan operation. And the second part of the answer or the answer to your question, Eamon, is I think an important one, which is There are a lot of other problems in this country at the moment. A lot of them press onto people's day-to-day lives in a much more visceral way. I'm thinking particularly of high inflation and high petrol prices, high fuel prices. When all of that is going on, there is certainly an electoral risk in the Democrats, albeit with two anti-Trump Republicans, expending so much time and energy and commanding so much media coverage for these hearings. Finally, Niall, there's two things that did strike me watching America this week was the vehemence and emotion unleashed by the prospect of the Supreme Court reversing Roe and Wade and the, the, the sort of violence of the demonstrations on both sides of that argument. The other is what appeared to be an attempt to assassinate Justice Brett Kavanaugh, Mm. a man traveled all the way to Washington from California, a 26-year-old man, to try to uh, murder Kavanaugh because he was voting to reverse Roe and Wade. He turned himself in in the end. But it does give you 
sense, quite apart from the school violence and the testimony that you all we all saw in Washington this week, of the United States now being very febrile, very tra- very fragile, mm. in a terrible state. Are we completely wrong to take that impression? No, unfortunately you're not, and febrile is a very good word for it. And I'm glad you, you mentioned the uh, apparent attempt on Brett Kavanaugh's life. And in fact, the, the suspect that you're talking about has been charged with uh, attempting or threatening to kidnap or murder um, a U.S. judge. Uh, that was a obviously a dramatic and troubling episode. It's an episode where a conservative, Brett Kavanaugh, is under mortal threat from uh, a man who appears to hold liberal beliefs, and yeah. it's worth uh, noting that. And it does go to exactly the point you raised, this sense, and you and I have, have spoken about it and I think, frankly, have, have been, you know, out front in, in understanding this threat a bit more so than some others yes. in the Irish media, maybe. There is a not just a polarization here, but a tearing of the civic fabric. Yes. And... How you repair that is not at all obvious, especially when many of the incentives politically and financially and in terms of media coverage favor those who continue to tear those things up. And it is a very febrile and dangerous situation. And this is the very last remark. Just It struck me last night watching Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward. Woodward and Bernstein both used the phrase Trump nation. America now is really Trump nation and its consequences are only beginning to emerge and manifest themselves. Yeah, I mean, you know, half of the, well, slightly less than half of the population are proud inhabitants of Trump nation, I suppose we would say, supporters of the former president, making him the most likely Republican nominee in 2024 if he chooses to run. But I think the, the broader point that you're alluding to is the fact that the forces unleashed by Donald Trump continue to define the United States. The idea that he was an aberration and that sensible, calm Joe Biden would restore the normal order, that has not proven to be true so far. And we are obviously living with the consequences of that. Okay, now we're very grateful to you for joining us uh, from Washington. That's Niall Stanage. We're grateful to Niall. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.